Just a quick note before we begin, the sound quality of these first few episodes is not up to the standard that we would like. Please do bear with us. I promise the quality does get better. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Believe it or not, up until a week ago, my friend James had never listened to a podcast in his life. (laughs) However, unlike me, my co-host Ollie is completely addicted to podcasts. And our goal of this podcast is for her to convince me that my life is not complete without the minute. So let's get on with the show. Ollie, this week you tasked me with listening to season one of Air Hustle. Now, why don't you start with um, a bit of a high-level overview of what Air Hustle is about and why you love it so much? If anybody out there hasn't listened to season one of Air Hustle yet, we highly recommend you go away and listen to season one first because there will be lots of spoilers (laughs) in this podcast. And then once you've listened to season one, come back and listen to mine and James's review. Or you could just stay. You could just stay. Or just stay. Or just stay. (laughs) And listen to it with us. (laughs) So Ear Hustle is a podcast made from within the walls of San Quentin Prison in San Francisco. And a volunteer by the name of Nigel Poor goes into the prison on a regular basis and records different podcasts with her co-host Elon. I want to say Musk, but it's not Musk, is it? (laughs) No, no, no. no, no. Elon Woods. Elon Woods. Woods. Elon Woods. And they conduct different interviews with different prisoners about some of the challenges that they face. I love this podcast. And having listened to season one, James, what would you say would have been the most shocking moments for you? Well, I think for me, the the most shocking moment, there there are heaps. I want to put that out there for people that may want to listen to the podcast. It's really going to open your eyes to prison life. But one of the biggest ones for me was just how real and how prevalent like race segregation is within inside the walls of the prison. How seemingly accepted it is from not only the prisoners, but also, you know, in my opinion, the prison staff as well. Now, I want to put that out there first and foremost. This is purely Ollie and Al's opinions. N- nothing more. We're not we're not claiming to be talking facts or, or know more than we know about these topics or subjects. So we're not for, experts. <laughs> we are we aren't experts in the space. But you will be hearing our opinions. So yeah, from my perspective, it did seem as though the prison guards were quite accepting of the fact that this race segregation kind of exists within the prison. One of the most shocking things for me was actually how long are some of their sentences? Yeah, it's crazy. Like 31 to life, uh, 40 to life, 50 to life. I think they just talk about their prison sentences so casually and uh, I don't know like for me one of the biggest things was around the co-host Elon Woods he's in there for 31 to life for being the getaway driver of an attempted robbery Mm -hmm. 31 to life for being like that blows my mind it's not fair yeah and one of the things that really stood out for me was just how kind and compassionate and lovely these people are I must have had some opinions around prisoners and this podcast has really helped me challenge the way I think about who these prisoners are and particularly those serving exceptionally long sentences to the point where you know when you hear about these women who write to people who are incarcerated (laughs) and they end up marrying them obviously I wouldn't say this to my husband I can totally understand why that would happen they (laughs) are so lovely and that's been a real eye-opener for me for some reason I didn't think prisoners would be quite as lovely as they actually are I feel like you have some sort of moral obligation to warn your husband that you may become one of those serial pen pals to those (laughs) prisoners over some of those prisoners 
Yeah, potentially. Well, I, I suppose when you think about these prisoners and um, and our kind of opinions, there, there are loads of characters that pop up through yeah. this through this season. Loads of different characters that you're introduced to within inside these walls. Who were your favourite characters? Well, I'm, I'm really biased. I, was, I tend to sort of gravitate towards people that I feel like I'm like-minded with. And I'm not trying to claim at all that I am. I have the, the swagger or uh, <laughs> the kind of the feel of this particular person, but Elon is a massive favourite of mine. You're so like Elon. You're very similar. How? What do you mean? I, I reckon both you and Elon use humour to be brutally honest <laughs> in a really nice way. I'm, okay, I'll, I'll take that on board. I may have been told that a few times. But no, you got to think about it. Humour does actually make bad news a little bit better. Surround something in a bit of humour and it tends to hit the mark a little bit better than, you know, just a scathing review. But yeah, no, so I, I must admit, Elon, for me, he's just such a real dude. I found that the language that he uses and the way that he's kind of unfiltered throughout the podcast, firstly, it, it works in such a kind of massive comparison to Nigel and kind of her approach. But I just like how they've let him sort of be himself. There's going to be a lot of language you need to become quite familiar with through this podcast. Lots of words that you probably haven't heard used in this particular way before because uh, they've got, you know, it's prison lingo. They've got language that they use to kind of communicate that's very different to the outside world. Yeah. How about you, Oz? Who are some of your kind of favourite it- characters? Oh, before we get on to mine, who else? Elon is obviously a bit of a dude, but who else did you really like? The other person that I kind of found myself really, really like, he's got a real minor role in the podcast, Lieutenant Sam Robinson. So at the end of each podcast, because it's filmed in prison or recorded in prison, they need to have it like certified or approved by you know one of the officials. So at the end of each podcast, you get a glimpse into Lieutenant Sam Robinson's perspective. Most of the podcasts you'll find off by saying, my name is Lieutenant Sam Robinson and I approve this podcast. He's got this kind of real kind of these dulcet tones and real smooth kind of operator. But what I found really cool is that through the season, you actually got to know him a little bit better. So certain episodes, he'd offer some of his opinion. And do you remember there was that real sad episode where basically one of the prisoners who'd been there for years finally, finally got released. And two months later, after being released from prison, he died in a car. That was, that was really sad. Devastating. And so they, they dedicated this episode to that particular prisoner. And at the end of the episode, Lieutenant Sam Robinson comes on and says, he just basically pays his respects and talked about how much of a, a good dude this person was. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I must admit, I, I grew a real strong liking to Lieutenant Sam Robinson. How about you, Miles? Who was your kind of favourite characters that you found yourself resonating with? Um, I don't know if I resonate with her, but probably my favourite was Nigel for obvious reasons, (laughs) just because she is super lovely. And I really respect people who give up their time to go and do something to help other people. And I don't know what she was doing in the prison before recording the podcast. I think she's been volunteering there for six years. Just as an example of how lovely she is, when she goes into the prison, because I'm guessing she's there for quite a number of hours, she can take her own food in, but she's not allowed to share food with prisoners and prisoners aren't allowed to share food with Nigel. She makes the same boring sandwiches every single time. So she doesn't want the the people there to be envious of the food that she's eating. And I think that's just one small example of one absolute gem Nigel Poor is. She's a saint. Yeah, she definitely is. I totally agree. Any others? Ah, Roach. Probably no surprise to you. (laughs) (laughs) How did I know you were going to say Roach? I just knew it. Uh, Roach is, like myself, a complete animal lover and he collects critters in his cell whether it's insects or birds or mice he feeds them and becomes friends with them and if I was incarcerated I would totally want to 
be in a cell with Roach. I had, I just knew, I just knew that that would be your person. He, what I found really fascinating about his character is that I suppose the way that people talk about prisons on the outside, they kind of form this, this view. People like him would probably be bullied severely in prison. Mm. You know, that he'd probably get a bit of a hard time. But by the sounds of it, he was just left to his own devices. He was just left to, you know, hang out with his critters. And I, I found it really lovely that he talked about, you know, I don't get people and I don't feel like people get me, mm-hmm. but I get critters and my critters get me. Like I found yeah. that to be real cool. <laughs> I feel the same about people and critters. <laughs> <laughs> he, he talked about being outside, bare feet. Yeah. You know, you'd find him like sniffing his dreadlocks. Yeah. And... A bit like Jesus. Yeah. He, <laughs> he did sound a little bit like <laughs> Jesus. Eh? There's obviously lots of really impactful moments throughout season one. What was one of the most impactful moments for you? No, I'm going to put it out there, people. There are loads of impactful moments. And if you aren't ready, these moments will catch you in your feelings. And I'm going to put it out there that you're going to cry at least twice mm-hmm. in season one. And that may just be because I did. <laughs> at least. <laughs> but it may just be because there's, at least though, there's these moments, there's humor, there's light, there's shade. There's all these different levels throughout the podcast. Yeah, um, you even sent me a video of you crying during one of the episodes. Oh, like that you weren't supposed to talk about that that was supposed to be a little secret oh sorry 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 <laughs> no you know I, i'll be honest I, I i cried a couple of times throughout the podcast and i think it's just because you realize that there are real people inside there going through real challenges and they're not as they're not as bad as you thought mm-hmm. yeah in episode two i'm already starting to you know to shed some tears yeah what happened in episode two that, that brought you to tears well, you're introduced to a character called uh, Tommy Shakura, uh-huh. who at about 15 years old, kind of struggling with his family dynamic, seeks kind of comfort and solace and anything that he can find kind of out there. And he leads him to gangs. This dude talks about his initiation into the gang and how after getting like smashed up and given a massive hiding, they're then sort of shaking his hand and hugging him and kind of welcoming into the group. Now, he he obviously forms this close bond with this gang and becomes like an active member of this gang, ripping the gang wherever he goes. And he talks about how he ended up in prison. The one day he was in a convenience store mm-hmm. and someone came in representing another gang. And the way he talked about it is like, I had no choice. I, I, I could only make sure that he knew where I was from. He then went out to his car. He pulled out his weapon and he shot the dude five times. Yeah. Now he, he then gets put into jail and you kind of think, okay, well, yeah, maybe you deserve that because, you know, you shot someone. But here's where it really got me. In retaliation, the rival gang then went and shot his mum and his 15-year-old brother. Yeah, and I just couldn't imagine. Horrific. I just honestly, I couldn't imagine being stuck in prison, not being able to go to the funeral, mm-hmm. you know, while they're burying your family. They so, always left the families alone. Mm, and up until up until then, they'd always done that. And, I, and that was like one of those retaliations that actually changed the, changed the landscape for good. Yeah. And also, you mentioned earlier the race card. That's something that that I was really shocked by too. Mm. And I was just thinking about my circle of friends and who I associate with in normal life. Race and origin and ethnicity doesn't matter because um, obviously I'm not incarcerated. I'm a Brit, obviously you can tell from my accent, but I live in Australia. (laughs) And (laughs) really, (laughs) the majority of my friends are Kiwis. And I was just thinking, if we were in prison, I would not be able to associate with these people. I would only be able to associate mm. with British white females, obviously, because we'd probably be in an all-female prison, <laughs> and probably be only able to knock about with the people who were from another gang from Manchester, because people are literally that territorial. And I found that really shocking. So they talk about the chow hall where they go to eat Mm. you can only eat with the people of your race you can only spend time in the yard with the people of your race and everybody else is 
a no-go zone. And you're not allowed to share food. You had to shower mm-hmm. in certain areas yep. that were pretty much race allocated un- unofficially, yep. officially. This is the thing that I found really interesting. When you're assigned to that particular prison, you have to fill out a form. And part of that form, you have to tick the nationality that you identify with. Now, that then becomes the nationality that will follow you around for your entire prison sentence, regardless of which prison you're at. So let's say, for example, these mixed race people at one prison, they think, okay, cool. Well, I'll tick that I'm African-American in this particular prison because it may be an advantage. All of a sudden, you get moved to another prison where that's no longer an advantage and that could have some serious repercussions on you. And it really got me thinking because, you know, I'm mixed race. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a mongrel, to be honest. I was really thinking how difficult it would be having to then pick which race you identify with. I wouldn't know what to take because at the moment I take New Zealand Māori. According to this podcast, that would put me in the Pacific Island group over there. Growing up, I used to do a lot of acting. I know you know the songs, but um, our our listeners might not. And it really gave me flashbacks to those days. Going to auditions, I'd tick that I was a New Zealand Māori. And I'd turn up to an audition and the casting agent would be like, sorry, you're you're New Zealand Māori? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, you look white. On another audition, okay, I'd tick white, all right? I'm white then. And I'd go to that audition and I'd turn up and they'd be like, oh, excuse me, um... We're not actually casting for ethnics today. It was, they're savage. Like, it really gave me these flashbacks about, like, where would you identify with? I'm not trying to trivialize, obviously, the experience that these prisoners go through. It must be a real tricky decision to try and identify which nationality you're going to stick with for your prison sentence. Yeah. Do you, do you reckon it's the same in female prisons? Do you reckon they have to do the same? Honestly, I think that is a, a completely, that is a conversation for a whole other podcast. We're going to okay. we, we could delve into a completely different world right there. Oh, you mentioned earlier, James, about learning some specific language that the people Mm. who are incarcerated use. What was special about some of their language? There were loads of new words, new phrases, new sentences that I learned. They they live in these tiny cells Mm. with another another person and they call them cellies. Now, Ollie, tell the listeners what what you (laughs) thought a cellie was. Okay, I just have to put it out there first. I am deaf, so I only have 50% hearing. So I think I mishear a lot of words. (laughs) I also think their accents hindered my understanding of what this word was. I heard in my ear the word Sally, as in S-A-L-L-Y, like the girl's name, Sally. And when they were saying, you know, there's a lot of pressure on how you're going to choose your Sally. And I was thinking, gosh, you have to, when you go into prison, one of the first things you have to do is, is choose a girlfriend. And, <laughs> and you do hear a lot of rumors about what happens in prison. But apparently Elon said that that's not, that's not strictly uh, what happens so yeah I'm I'm glad now that I fully understand what a Sally is and it is definitely not a girlfriend <laughs> your prison Sally <laughs> Erlon this is our first episode so it's probably a good time to tell everybody what ear hustling means ear hustling is prison slang for eavesdropping listening in to something that may not be your business and today we're going to hear about Sally's It's a big deal in prison who your cellmate is, isn't it? Huge. Ask anyone around here and they'll have a lot to say about their cellies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's all this different language. I think one of the that kind of caught me by surprise. In the final episode, you're actually introduced to a character who successfully escapes from prison. Now, I'm a bit of a, I like to cheer for the underdog. This dude successfully escaped from prison for eight years. Eight years. And when you think about what he did, he didn't go off and live a life of crime. He integrated himself into society, got a partner, took on her kids as his own, opened his own business. You know, he was a real, from what the story tells, upstanding member of his community. Now, although he escaped for eight years, Ollie, where did he travel to? Oh, he, I think he went to Florida and then... 
I think he ended up in Australia and he was finally caught in the UK. Mm, but but all, all, like, you know, all this was going on. One of his big things when it came to successfully escaping from prison, because there were books in the library. Now, he, he mentioned this. He said there were books in the library that actually demonstrated to you how people had tried to attempt to escape from this exact prison. Mm-hmm. And his thoughts were that they'd put them there to sort of deter people to say it wasn't possible. <laughs> but he was like, but I figured it out. Every single one of those people had told someone else yes. that they were going to be, that they, that they were doing it. He mentioned that then people would get nervous, they'd kind of drop it, and then all of a sudden they'd, they'd catch a kite, like, or they'd, they'd send a kite to... What is uh, a kite? Well, this is it. So a kite in prison is some sort of a message, catching a message or sending a message. So he'd, if people would get nervous, they'd drop a kite to the, one of the prison officers, and that's how all these people had been caught. So he decided he wasn't going to talk to anyone about his escape. The only people he told were his mum and his dad. The reason he told his mum and dad is so that they could actually bring him money. Mm-hmm. Now, each week that they came to visit him, they'd actually bring a $100 note really tightly wrapped up inside a oh, balloon. Oh, this is gross. And they'd, they'd drop it inside a soda can. He'd drink that soda can, and then he would, you know, the balloon would be in the system and then out of the system. And it, 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 I missed it the first time, but he's like, oh, I think you just fish it out. Mm. <laughs> And then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you did there. Grim. But w- why that was grim is because he left the prison with $2,000, which meant yeah, he that he went, he went fishing like over 20 times, yeah. at least while he was in prison. It made it sound real normal. Yeah, yeah. When you were talking about these kind of prison sentences and how long they were, we talked about the fact that this guy escaped. Mm-hmm. He got then caught eight years later and brought back in to finish the remainder of his sentence. Yeah. Although I'm not a judge, and I'm, as I said, this is just our opinions, I feel as though that one thing being the determining factor to whether he's being released or not. Now, he's been in there another 30 years since then, mm-hmm. and that one thing continues to be something that will that haunts him essentially it's that one thing they constantly go back to and remind him of even though he's done 30 years of, of kind of rehabilitation i know it's small but you look at what he did while he was out there and it didn't seem like he got up to much crime so no. i don't know it seems a little bit harsh from my perspective i mean i could understand why somebody would escape because you might never get paroled uh, it reminded me of that movie uh with morgan freeman and oh yeah 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 um shawshank redemption yes, shawshank, shawshank, yes. Shawshank. Yeah. tim robbins i want to say yeah so you know so obviously you've got the escape which was the tim robbins but the sad thing which really kind of resonated with me from that movie and this podcast was that constantly going up before the what do they call them the parole the, board the parole board and basically pleading your case mm-hmm. and how there was all that language that you had to tick in terms of like what were they saying? Of reformed? Yeah, taken responsibility, shown accountability. And you know what? If, if you are in prison and you claim your innocence, you never get to go to the parole board until you can admit guilt and accept responsibility. <laughs> you will never get paroled for some people. Now that's mental. I think that that is mental. So you, it's almost like they brainwash you into making you admit to what you've done. Yeah. And I, now I'm, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but I heard that that's the way that the American prison system works. Because if they don't get someone to admit that they were guilty, that per- person, once they're released, could then go back and sue them for wrongful imprisonment. Ooh, anyway, is if, that why? Again, another tangent, probably a conversation for a different podcast. But yeah, I heard that. You remember that Netflix episode that came out about those five young boys in the park? Oh, I couldn't watch it. No, you, didn't, you, you couldn't watch it? Well, the, the whole idea is that they... Basically was it the ass- Memphis Five or something? Yeah, there's a name. I can't think of the name of them. But yeah, they're, they are a group of five that were put in prison as teenagers. But then when they were released, even though they admitted that they had wrongfully imprisoned them, they made them sign these documents saying that they would not come after them to sue them for liability. Probably why it works for the prison and the judicial systems in their favour to actually never acknowledge people that don't want to admit that they're, they're guilty to the crime. I find that totally heartbreaking. Yeah, and some of these people are just in prison for exceptionally long periods of time. James, I don't know about you, 
you've been in self-isolation for the last two weeks, as have I, because of the coronavirus. Mm. Not that we've had the coronavirus. After two weeks, I am going out of my mind. I'm not allowed to go outside. So even though I've got you know Netflix and the internet, I've got food in the fridge, I am bored. Can you imagine what it would be like to be told that you are spending... 30 plus years in a really small space with a stranger. No, no, I can't. <laughs> I, I genuinely... Blow I, I, your I, mind. It does. I'm in self-isolation now. We were overseas. We've come back. We've done 14 days in self-isolation. And yes, we had to get people, friends and family to sort of drop off groceries and whatnot. In 14 days, all of these goals that I kind of set for myself and the things that I said I was going to do, nah. Nah, nah. Oh, I'm going to exercise every day. No. And I find myself snacking more often. And like, you know, just all these things. So thinking about that for 30 years to life, these people, as opposed to how I imagine myself, they seemed kind. They seemed interesting. They seemed informed, understanding, and it really felt like they'd had a lot of time to do some self-reflection. And a lot of them seemed as though, especially the ones you met in the podcast, as though they were trying to do things to actually better themselves and yeah. trying to do things to better others as well. Yeah, they're doing better than us, basically. <laughs> but yeah, but something that we talked about, something that they'd never, some of them probably would never get parole, right? And yet they're constantly feeling hopeful about the fact that they might 60-year-old men, 70-year-old men with this genuine feeling of like hopefulness every time they step in front of that parole. So James, I just have one final question for you. Are you going to hit subscribe on Ear Hustle and listen to the other four seasons? Well, Ollie, I'm going to have to take some time to really reflect on that. I don't really like you putting <laughs> me on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, genuinely. I have had such a, an awesome time listening to season one of Ear Hustle that I am going to subscribe. Excellent. That is good news. I, I genuinely, I'm interested in hearing more from Elon, my mate. <laughs> we love you, Elon. We love you, bro. We love you, Nigel. Uh, we love you too, Nigel. Uh, and, and Lieutenant Sam Robinson. We love you also. Okay. Genuinely, I think that for these people who have all these different restrictions, you know, all of these different hoops they've got to jump through in terms of getting this podcast recorded, they just do a really amazing job. And I think they do a really good job of making you realize that prisons may be a little bit different to what you probably thought at first yeah. I almost don't want to recommend a new podcast to you James because I want you to stay up all night and finish listening to Ear Hustle that's fair but I think what we can do you can give me a new podcast to listen to and why don't we sort of guarantee our listeners that we'll loop back in and at some okay. stage later in the season we'll actually review another season of Ear Hustle nice there are going to be things that happen that are going to blow your mind that's all I'm saying alright I'll get the tissues ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah do well I suppose Ollie you asked me to listen to Ear Hustle we kind of want to give our listeners a rating of what these podcasts are like. And because you are the podcast queen, I'm keen to hear what your rating for Ear Hustle would be. Now, you've listened to thousands. I mean, Ollie's even had to delete podcasts from her podcast library to make yeah, room for right. other podcasts that she listened to. Yeah. What I, would you I, rate Ear Hustle out of one to ten? I'm going to give Ear Hustle a seven. I, like many people, got into podcasts through listening to Serial and Undisclosed and Truth and Justice and digested absolutely everything I could about Adnan Syed. And just by the way, free Adnan, um, <laughs> separate from that. I really enjoyed this podcast. Seven is a really high rating for me, given that I listen and subscribe to thousands of podcasts. So you got seven out of ten. Seven. Yeah, that's huge. Now, I, 
you may have heard me laugh when you said free Adnan, and this is, may make me sound dense, but I actually have no idea who that is. So, oh, James. Uh, at one, wait, stage, at wait, one stage, we'll review that one as well. Let me let me sort of give a bit of reasoning to why I give a hustle an eight. Now, I am a first-time podcast listener, and having never listened to a podcast before, I've got actually nothing to compare it to. Now, please allow me this one caveat, is that if later on in the season... I realized that I may have rated Air Hustle too high. I am going to allow myself the ability to come back and change that rating if I should so choose to. Is that okay with you all? Absolutely fine. Uh, I give it an eight and I purely give it an eight because of Elon's realness, the relationship that him and Nigel have and ability to sort of create this podcast and bring these characters to life. The podcast I'm recommending for next week is Catch and Kill. All right, Ollie, you're recommending me a podcast every week. I'm going to challenge you to sell me on that podcast. Now, let's say you had 30 seconds in a lift with me and you had seconds. to sort of sell yeah. Only going up to the first floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe a minute. All right, let's say you've got a minute with me in an elevator and you had to try and convince me that Catch and Kill was something that I had to listen to. How would you do it? Ready? Ready. Go. Catch and Kill is a phenomenon that has been around since journalism has existed. The concept involved is a journalist would find a story out about a person or a company and then that company or person, particularly if they're very wealthy or powerful, can actually contact the press that's about to publish that story and pay them or threaten them in some way to kill that story. And this particular catch and kill story is predominantly about Harvey Weinstein, although there are lots of mentions of uh, President Trump in there as well. And Ronan Farrow, who is the writer and producer of Catch and Kill, is one of my heroes because he puts himself in so much danger. He tells the story of spying and espionage, bullying and threatening behavior. He goes above and beyond to bring this story to the world and get it out there. And I just have so much respect for him. I hope you love it. Ooh, I like, I like. I think you got, you got me. All right, I'm going to listen nice. to it. So how many podcasts are there? Uh, I think there's maybe 10 episodes about an hour okay. long each oh these ones are an hour okay maybe right. 40 minutes all right because the air hustle is a little bit light on so um no that's cool i reckon i could do that so seven days to listen to 10 hours of podcasts maximum. easy all right done challenge accepted Ops. if any of our listeners out there have any other podcasts they would like to recommend to myself and james to review obviously i probably already listened to them but it would be interesting to hear what podcast you would like james and i to talk about on on this podcast can i encourage everybody who's enjoyed this podcast to make sure you give us a five-star review on the podcast app that you're listening to us on it really does help other people find us so james that's brought us to the end of our first ever podcast well that's only fair then that i should say that my name is james and i approve this podcast (laughs) that's cheesy all right james i'll talk to you on the other side talk to you on the other side buddy a massive thank you to julie shapiro executive producer of air hustle who granted us access to original content for this podcast and as always a massive thank you to mj from multi-design for our theme music